Welcome into Mornings with Ken. I'm so glad you stopped by. Come on in, get yourself a cup of coffee and a virtual donut, and let's get this day started. Hey, we might as well start off with a positive quote. Your positive quote for today comes from the great Martin Luther King Jr. And I really love this this quote. Hope I don't mess it up. We must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope, Martin Luther King Jr. Let me read that one more time. We must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope, Martin Luther King Jr. So true. What a, what a great uh, words of advice. So we're going to have disappointments but they're finite. They're, they're short-lived. They're short-lived disappointments. Those are going to come. But he tells us to never lose infinite hope. There is hope out there. There is hope. And it doesn't always look like we want it to look. But there's hope. There is hope. There's always hope. You can't, you can't deny hope. You can't kill it. With every little bit of strength you have left in your body, hold on to hope. You're going to be disappointed, but there's hope. So, hey, thanks for stopping by. Come on in, get settled down in your chair, and let's do this day together. Today's weather a high of 37 degrees with a low of 27 degrees and a 10% chance of rain. Would you like to hear a success story? A real life true story of somebody who became successful just because he had the drive, the will, the drive to want to better his life? Well, I hope you do, because I'm going to share it anyway. Excuse me while I cough. <coughs> that cough was brought to you by Maxwell House Coffee. No, sorry. Anyway, I, I ran into someone that I see every now and then. He's not a friend of mine. That's, you know, he's just somebody that I know. And... Um, he has his own small, small business, and I have contact with him every now and then, and it's always just brief conversation. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those people that you know by just um, saying good morning to or hello or um, just even waving hi to, but um, one day I had an opportunity, I had a little time, we both had some time on our hands. And we saw each other, and uh, we stopped, and we started talking. And, you know, we were just chit-chatting nonsense stuff. And I was asking about his job. And he told me that he was working for a large company doing the same type of business, 
I'm not going to tell you what kind of business it is. I don't, I don't think he knows of mornings with Ken. And uh, I'm sure he's not a listener, but I don't want to, uh, I don't know. I don't want to bring his name up or what he does for a living. But he, he told me that he was working for a larger company. And he had done that for years and he loved, loved his job. But he decided, I wonder if I could branch out on my own and do the same thing in the same field, but get my own customers. So he did. He did. This gentleman started his own small company just himself. I believe his wife. Um, helped them, and they started their own small business, which has now grown to multiple accounts, and he was telling me, and this was coming from his side, he just said, from his point of view, he doesn't understand why people don't claim they can't make a living. Now, this gentleman's a, he's an African-American gentleman and uh, blue collar. And it was interesting conversation because he was talking about how everybody wants a handout. Everybody wants the easy stuff. They don't want to work hard for it. And uh, this gentleman, he said, you can make it. You can make it. You just got to get off your rear And go to work. And he was telling me how there's no guarantee that you should be at any economical level. If you want something, you work hard for it and you get it. And if you don't get it, you can't blame others or... I, I don't know. It was, it was very good to hear his perspective very interesting to hear his perspective and now I'm not saying the guy is extremely wealthy but you know what he does enough to make his life happy the way he wants it to be so you know you, you can be successful if you want to be successful to some degree. I'm not saying we all can be millionaires and, or, or, or whatever, but you can, you can provide for yourself if you want to put in the effort, but don't assume great results. Don't expect great results. Just find something that you like to do and do it and be faithful to that job. 
Um, he gave me an example. Um, he gave me an example. Like I say, he has multiple accounts. So he has, I believe he says, nine, nine people working for him because he has so many accounts. That, and uh, he says it's so hard to keep replacing these people because they don't want to go to work. Or they go to work and they don't want to do a good job. And he doesn't understand why these people don't want to work. Or they don't want to do a good job while they're at work. Um, he shared with me a story of a young lady that he had hired to work for him. And he had to let her go. He had to let her go because she kept showing up to his customers. High. High on drugs. And he was trying to explain to the young lady that you can't show up to work high. And she didn't understand that. She actually questioned, what do you mean I can't go to work high? He said, you represent me. When you're working for me and you're at one of my customers' businesses, you represent me, and I don't want to lose my customer, and I don't want my customers to think why I'm hiring people that smell like drugs and aren't doing a good job. And I guess the girl started crying and says, but I always smoke, you know, sort of, sort of. He was dumbfounded about how this girl thought she could still go to work and be high and do a good job. You know, it, so here's a man, here, here's a, a gentleman who worked hard. He told me what he used to do for a living uh, before the, the job, and he, he left his old job before getting into this career. <laughs> Um, because he just didn't enjoy it anymore, but he enjoyed cleaning for this other company, and he does his own business now. Um, anyway, this gentleman trying to make a good living for him and his family, and he can't get enough people to work for him because they don't show up, or they they say they're not making enough money. They want to get paid more money, or and he says he actually pays them quite well. He likes to treat them very well and pay them, um, he says, uh, you know, a good rate. And uh, But everybody expects more. And I don't know. I, and I want to, I don't want to mention his name, but I really want to give him a shout out. Um, but I, what, a, what a wonderful guy, a wonderful guy who decided he didn't want to work for anybody else. He wanted to work for himself. And he created his own business, got his own customers, and is doing quite well. He's doing, He said he's still doing quite well. He puts in a lot of hours that he doesn't want to put in only because the people he hired don't want to show up 
or want to leave off the job or want to get high during work. So, boy, how much more successful could this man be if he could get quality young people to work for him? And how much better would their life be if they would um, do these jobs and uh, make a living for themselves and then maybe repeat what he has done or get them through school or college or whatever. It's, it's a job, folks. We all, you know, we all can't be the man on top. And you know what? Nor should we, I think we should, nor should we strive to be the man on top. So, but I just was uh, encouraged by his story. I think it's a fine story. I, I'm, you know, it, it made my day because it was nice to see someone who wanted to be more successful than they were, and and he did it. He did it, and, and he created his own business. And uh, I wish everybody had the work ethic as this gentleman. And like I say can't keep looking at the higher level and thinking, yeah, but he's not, he's not making this amount of money or he's not this successful, but he's successful enough to provide what he needs and to make a decent living. We all can't be Bill Gates. We all can't be um, the, the owner of Amazon. But we all can do things in our own lives to help take care of ourselves. So I just wanted to share that this morning. I don't know if it's life-changing or, you know, but I was really impressed. And I'm glad I took time just to hear this guy's story. It was really neat. And uh, sometimes it's good just to stop and hear hear someone's story. It's, it's encouraging. And uh, so, hey, I'll be right back. So for your birthday? Just a decent cup of coffee. You're kidding. I'm serious. Honey, your coffee's undrinkable. That's pretty harsh. Well, so's your coffee. You know, the girls down at the office make better coffee on their hot plates. Well, see you later. And he didn't even kiss me goodbye. You know, if I could just make a decent cup of coffee, I could relax. So relax. Why don't you try instant folders? Tastes good as fresh perked. Good as fresh perks. I'll surprise Harvey for his birthday tonight. Hey, great coffee. It's instant Folgers. Doesn't it taste good as fresh perks? Better. Better than those girls make at the office. Honey, their coffee can't hold a candle to yours. Instant Folgers taste good as fresh perked. Try it. Hey, do you want to hear another good story. Let me tell you a story. Um, I just read about Richard Montanez. Richard Montanez. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the last name correctly. It's the Latino name. And I'm going to say Montanez. I think it's just pronounced Montanez. Richard Montanez. And he's a success, success story. And this is actually coming from the website Upworthy.com. Upworthy.com. So I'm going to call him by his, his first name, Richard. And Richard, 
Richard was a janitor with Frito-Lay in a factory where they actually bagged the, uh, created the Frito-Lays, baked them, and then bagged them and shipped them. So Richard Montanez was the janitor, and he mopped floors. And this is an incredible story. He lived in a one-room brick building. A one-room brick building with 14 different family members. So 14 different family members all living in this brick one-room house. He couldn't speak English very well. He cried when his mother made him go to school because he couldn't learn English very well. So I guess somehow he stopped going. Hey, that was something weird that just happened. I'm not sure what it was. Uh, but he stopped going to school in the fourth grade. So I guess his mother allowed him to stop going to school. So he didn't get at the education. So when he was old enough, he just started working in factories. When he became of age, he just started working in factories. And one day he, he gets a job with Frito-Lay as a janitor, mopping the floors. Well, his uncle told him, and I don't see his uncle's name in the article, but his uncle told him, Richard, make sure the floors shine when you mop them. After the floors are done, make them shine. So he did. He took his uncle's advice and made sure the floors shined. And his uncle told him, and make sure the people know that Richard Montez, Montanez mopped that floor. Make sure, be proud of it. Make sure people know that you mopped that floor. So he did. So he had a good reputation as a janitor. And that's what he did with most of his working career at Frito-Lay. Well, in the mid-80s, Frito-Lay, well, in particularly the Cheetos brand, which is a Frito-Lay brand, you know, the Cheetos, wasn't doing very well. So the CEO put out a notice to all 300,000 employees of Frito-Lay. So the CEO sent out a, a message to all, all the employees and said, act like you're the owner of Frito-Lay and try to come, with, come up with creative ideas um, to make the company grow and be um, efficient. Well, Richard Montanez took that to heart. And folks, I'm paraphrasing this story because to cut back on time, I don't want to read it word for word. But Richard 
noticed that the Cheetos brand in the store was not selling well to his fellow neighborhood of Latinos. So he lived in a Latino neighborhood and when he would go into the stores and he would see the chips displayed, he noticed that Latinos weren't really eating the, uh, the uh, Cheetos. But he noticed the one stand of chips was right next to a stand displaying spices. So he decided he would go home with a bag of uh, Cheetos and he would put his own spices on the Cheetos, mix the spices in with the bag of Cheetos and seal them in little plastic bags and give them to his friends in the neighborhood. Well, he got such a great response from his friends and the neighbors. They just couldn't get enough of those Cheetos flavored with spices that Latinos in general enjoy. Some hot spices. Well, he thought, wow, this seems like a great idea because no one's marketing to the Latino uh, population. Well, <laughs> so in response to the CEO's communication to all the employees about trying to come up with creative ways to make that brand more successful, Montez called the CEO. Here's how the conversation went. I'm going to read it verbatim. So here's the conversation. Um, the CEO picks up the phone. Mr. Well, here's the conversation. Mr. Enrico's office. Who is this? Richard Montez in California. Oh, you're the VP overseeing California? No, I work at the Rancho uh, plant. Oh, so you're the VP of operations? No, I work inside the plant. Oh, you're the manager? No, I'm the janitor. So that's the actual how the actual conversation went when uh, Richard Montez called the, the major CEO at the corporate office. So, Richard tells the CEO what he did about adding spices to the Cheetos and how well his neighborhood received them, even in their little sandwich bags that he made up. And he told Richard, you have two weeks to put together a presentation and come and see me and present your idea to, to me in my office. So, so Richard, shocked and surprised, runs to the local library, picks up books on marketing strategies, and starts prepping. Two weeks later, he enters the boardroom. And 
he basically told him his story. He says, I, in my neighborhood of Latinos, I saw no marketing towards Latinos. No brands of chips or Ruffles or Fritos were ever marketed to Latinos and flavored for what we like. So he he told him how well the little baggies went in his neighborhood. He gave them a sample of of his flavored Cheetos mixed with his spices. They all tried them and it says here the room went silent. The room went silent. So Richard Mar Montanez is nervous. He don't know if it's a good thing or if it's a bad thing. But in just a moment, the silent broke and the CEO spoke up. He said, you're going to have to put that mop away. You're coming with us. And he be the CEO made Richard a, a VP of the company and the brand that Richard Montez developed, we now know as the Flamin' Hot Cheetos. The Flamin' Hot Cheetos was created by Richard Montanez and became one of the most successful brands of Frito in their brand of, of chips and snacks. So soon after Richard becoming, being made a, a VP, Richard amassed $20 million fortune. $20 million fortune. All because what he says was part of his success story was his uncle telling him when he mops that floor make sure it shines make sure it looks wonderful and let people know that Richard Montanez mopped that floor and then he just took he took the initiative of, of the uh, memo from the CEO of trying to help the company be more successful so he went to from pushing a mop and mopping the floor to being a VP and amassing $20 million. What an amazing story. Now, I know we all can't have that story. It's unique to Richard Montanez. But it just shows you he had a good work ethic even when... It says here when he first started with Frito-Lay as a janitor, he made $4 an hour. Remember, this was back in the 80s, so it was minimum wage, which probably $3.25 or something like that, $3.75. Uh, he was making $4 when he started out as a janitor at Frito-Lay. And uh, now he's a VP, and uh, he created the Flamin' Hot Cheetos. What a wonderful story. And again, we all can't have that story. You know, we all can't have a story like that. I mean, 
But what we can do is when we go to work, we can have the same work ethic that Richard Montanez had. Whatever our job is, do it to the best of our ability. And uh, I just thought that story was very, very, you know, unique, but, but encouraging. Because I love it when I see people succeed. I don't know why I've, I'm made up that way. But when I see someone come from nothing and then succeed, I'm happy for them. I'm not jealous. I'm excited for them. And I, I think it teaches us all a good lesson, uh, you know, to teach us that no matter what our job is, and, and you know what, and even if Richard Montez had never responded to the CEO's request and he still was pushing that broom, there's still no shame in that because he's making a living for his family. He's doing something for his family. And he's going in there and he's making that shore, that floor shine. So there's no shame in any kind of work that we do. And whatever whatever we do, we should put our heart into it. And uh, what a great, great story. So I was going to share one more with you, but I don't want to take up too much of our time today. But, um, you know, I... I I uh I really really am excited about people succeeding. Well, let's let's uh let's take another short break and uh I'll be right back. Grind category. 
so 84% of our time we can't control. The experts call it the grind time, which means your job, preparation for your job, and post-job, meaning the drive home and uh, including preparing dinner. Basically, everything you need to do before you go to work that is a must. And, hey, I got one of those cars in front of me that loves to rev up their powerful little engine of a little tiny Subaru that probably has a four-cylinder engine in it, but he's got loud pipes because he wants to make it sound. But anyway, sorry about that, folks. Anyway, so 84% of your time is what they call grind time. So what you got to do before going to work, your drive to work, and your time at work, and your time coming home from work, and the things you got to do immediately after work. So that is called your grind time. You can't control that stuff. It's got to get done one way or the other. So that only leaves you with, what, 16% of what they consider time for yourself? Wait, guys, time out. Time out for a second. I got to laugh. I pulled up next to that car with the loud pipes now. It's so funny because it's an older Subaru, and he's got some big, fancy exhaust coming out the back end. But the car is basically like not in good shape and he's got tinted windows and he's got I think the rims on the car cost more than the car because the car is not in good shape but he's got some fine fancy rims on there anyway I I digress you'll probably hear him pull off away from me when we go anyway so what do you do with that time that you do have um what do you do at the time that's 16% that's your time? That's where we can try to make the difference in our life of getting value for that time. You know, time with family and friends or time of mental health just for yourself to, to relax and get mentally, you know, you can't run, run, run and, and you're going to crash. So you got 16% of your time is yours. So you got to make sure you take care of yourself mentally too. So, and then I looked up some ways that we do spend our time. And it looks like most of our time is spent on social media or watching TV. They kind of grouped them together. Uh, social media, the average person spends two and a half hours a day on social media, two and a half hours a day of scrolling through your phone, looking at stuff you're not really paying attention to, and um, three hours of today watching television, three hours of your day watching television, and I know we all want to relax and just kind of not think, but I think sometimes we can reevaluate that time and see if we can spend it uh, better. But I do enjoy I do enjoy some TV time now, so I'm not going to take away 
that away from myself. I'll maybe cut back some. But uh, I don't think I watch three hours worth of television a day. But um, anyway, so it is good to uh, reevaluate our time. Reevaluate our time and use it wisely. And uh, I'm going to leave you with this as, as we come to a close of the show today. I'll leave you a little quote. This is from John. Cabot Zinn, John Cabot Zinn, and he says, the perfect moment is this one. The perfect moment is this one. So if you ever if you're ever thinking about, oh, I should do this, or I need to do that, or I want to do this, there's no better moment than this one. So this moment, do what you're thinking about doing. Because once that moment's gone, you don't get it back again. So very interesting. Hey, hope you guys enjoyed your little time with me this morning. Um, I really appreciate it. Hey, I love you guys. And uh, I really appreciate you guys spending time with me. Thanks again. Let's do this again tomorrow. Bye. Love you guys. Time time.